Welcome to the Elite Fantasy Coaching Hockey Podcast. Get the winner's edge with the strategy, tips, and tactics that help you become a champion. Here's your host, Dave Martin. All right, welcome to another edition of Elite Fantasy Coaching Hockey Podcast. I am your host, Dave Martin. we got a special guest with us today, Steve Nicholas, guy I've been in pools with for many years now. In my opinion, one of the best judges of young talent that's out there, so certainly some good points to take away on that. And uh, remember Leafs Nation, so Steve's going to have a, a lot to talk. Steve, quick introduction on yourself, bit of background in, in hockey pools. Anything, you know, your, your thoughts on... Uh, your teams right now, just a background how many pools you're in, and uh, we'll go from there. My name is Steve. I'm in three hockey pools. I'm in two with Dave right now. I haven't won either of those two. I was in, Marty was the last guest. He has a pool, a smoking stats pool. I've, I think I've moneyed in that pool five out of seven years. I've won that one twice and finished second twice. I think with the Condillo pool that Dave is the commissioner of, I... I, th- I think I've moneyed four to the last five years. I did rebuild last year, so I didn't, I didn't make the money. So like I sold off everything. And I've also just recently joined the hardcore pool, the Champions League pool, which is uh, I'll say it's a work in progress. Some good, so, good, good poolies in that one. Yeah. So that that pool, and I guess we can kick it off there. You came in uh, taking over a team that had finished at the bottom of the league. You took it over. You had a finish as well last year, bottom of the league. But, you know, having looked over your roster coming into today, you, you did a hell of a job over last season and in the off season to really build that up. And as part of our educational process for somebody that's listening to this podcast in a similar situation, maybe taking over a team in a league that they just don't have the talent to be competitive in right away, especially if you're coming in, you know, on a roster that wasn't something you had built over time, you can definitely speak to this on the educational process. So I'm looking at a roster, League of Champions pools, 16 teams in here, Max Domi, Dylan Larkin, Anthony Duclair, Jaden Schwartz, Anthony Mantha, William Nylander, Brad Marchand, and the first and fourth overall picks. So your choice of the best rookie coming out of the draft and the fourth best, you know, likely rookie. You may have a, a veteran or a guy coming over from Europe as well. So thoughts on your roster in that pool. Who's, you know, who do you view as your linchpin? Maybe your big breakout guy for next year. And, you know, some thoughts on how you built that roster up over last season. Well, I would say uh, my breakout for next year is it's got to be William Nylander right now. 13 points in 22 games and uh, an impressive 43 shots, so two shots a game as a, as a rookie and seems to be as talented as anybody in their system right now. So Going down my list, I like, Larkin and Domi were both in the 500s already, so if they're going to push themselves up to the 600s, I, like, I'll be happy with that. But I don't – Anthony Mantha is my other right wing at this point, and – Will he play? I don't even know. Like he maybe he doesn't make the team, make the Detroit team this year. I hope he does, but if he doesn't, it is what it is. So, I would say Nylander, he, He's the rookie for me right now coming in. He's two bucks on my three hundred dollar cap. So, yeah, if he can push into the four hundreds for me, I think that that would help. And just to I, clarify for guys listening, we're referring to the point system in that 
in that league. So when Steve says uh, four or 500 points, and it's based on power play points, it's based on points, shots, penalty minutes, those type of categories. So that's within our scoring system. So if you hear uh, a number as 500, that would put you as a, a league average type player. And when you get to the six, 700 points, those are your elite scoring players. So yeah, go on, go on. Steve, just wanted to clarify for everybody. And also with, with this team anyways, positional league. So like left wings, right wings, centers, D's, they all count. And I do have a couple guys that I can move around as well that I'm, I'm, I'm thinking Max Domi is more of a right wing than a center. I don't think he even played center last year at all. So I think I'll be able to slide him into my right wing. It helps me. I, I have all the left wings I need. I actually picked up Braden Shen recently for uh, uh, Louis Erickson. I traded straight up. They're roughly the same cost, but I kind of like Shen's upside. And lots of people think that Erickson's going to be great in Vancouver, and I just don't trust the Canucks at all. I, I really don't want anything to do with anybody on that team. Uh, I was It was a pretty easy decision for me. I, he Maybe he'll score 30 goals. I, I don't know. It's possible. I think the Sedins lose a step, but I, I think the Flyers underperformed, and I think that they're they're up and coming. They're they're going to be a great team this year, I think. So yeah, uh, Shen I took feels Shen. like he could be. You know, he was a guy that's had a lot of hype for a long time. He was always yeah. looked at as a strong prospect. He's still only 24, which is something I didn't realize until I just opened his uh, his roster up right now. Is he's a guy that's been in the league for five years, but he came in so young. Last year, career high, 59 points, 178 shots, tied a career high there. And he gets some power play time on what is really a strong power play. You, got, you know, Giroux is a stud. You've got Wayne Simmons, who's always a presence in front of the net. Shane Godeshiver looks like a breakout star defenseman. I mean, if you're looking for a guy who could sneak into the top 10, possibly a top five scoring defenseman, I wouldn't put it out of the realm for Godeshiver. I agree. I agree 100%. Uh, I, I think he will be. I, I, th I think he's a 50-point guy. Like, he played half a year last year, and he had to have 30 points. I, I'm just throwing that number out there, but I, he, it had to be close. He bumps Mark Street down a down a rung or two. Uh, I think he gets all the power play time. There's no yeah. doubt in my mind. I, I don't see how they don't give it to him. He was second in rookie of the year, I think, wasn't he? Um, yeah, it just I think if you play on the power play there, like they don't have a lot of depth in their scoring, but no. their scoring they do have is strong. Is oh, really, yeah. is he's a beast. Like I, I like Shen as part of that deal. I think he's got high sixties, maybe a seventy point upside if he plays alongside on their top two lines, but sees that first power play time. Yeah. I, I really like his potential. Well, you figure Vora checks with Giroux, and maybe Shen gets to play with Simmons. Uh, if that happens, yeah, I, I don't doubt it. Even, But even still, like it says here, he had 650 points last year. Like if he's putting up 650 points, he's 17 bucks for me next year. Like I said, I'll take my chance with the young guy in Philly over the guy going to Vancouver right now. And Erickson might have – like I think there's a, a tendency that if you see somebody change teams – you project that they're going to have a monster year and that everything's going to go great. But it's possible that, you know, I agree with you. I'm, I'm very down on Vancouver. I think they finished last in the league overall this year. It's possible that the Sedins and him don't have great chemistry. We don't know how that's going to play out. And he's a guy on the downswing of his career versus Shen. Shen's still got a career year ahead of him at some point. And I think this year could be that year. 
if I was betting on him setting a career high. You know, I'm in Vegas and they say career high or not. I would take the career high. Louis Erickson, I don't think he's got any more career years ahead of him. So, no, uh, um, yeah, I, I don't think so either. Like I said, he he may put up 30, 30 goals, altogether possible. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I think he would put up almost thirty, but Shen's a little bit feisty. I kind of like that in in him with the two hundred shots he could put up this year too. Yeah. So you anyway. mentioned uh, you mentioned William Nylander a little bit before that. So guy that you've got in that pool in our rotisserie league, a uh, guy that I've held on to for a couple of years. Your your thoughts on him going into this year? The Leafs team that didn't score a lot of points last year. I think their leader had forty five points off the top of my head. You know they didn't they didn't have anybody putting the puck in the net. But I look at a young roster with a full season of Nylander, healthy James Van Riemsdyk. Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, huge upgrade in the pipes with Frederick Anderson. So where do you see the Leafs going? What do you see Nylander doing as a member of Leafs Nation? What, what do you feel like the squad's going to do um, this year and over the next couple? Well, first, I think they could have one of the best prospect pools in the league right now. Shanahan and them, they, they really, they actually, for once, didn't try to build on the fly. It looks like they just actually blew it up and... They went out and got the piece they needed. I think Anderson is going to be is, should be pretty big in, for Toronto and in Toronto. Uh, they need work on their D a little bit, but I think Nylander is their top scorer. There's been a lot of hype on him. Uh, I think he's he had 13 points in those 22 games, so that would average out to what 50, say 50 points. Yeah, if you're right, and it was 45 was the best, that would have put him in first this year. So they they held him back for a while, and I, like I think he's ready to make the jump. So, uh, like, 50 points, I don't think it's a stretch to say he can get 50 points. I don't think their defense is going to be great, but I think the team's going to score goals. Van Riemsdyk's still there. He's still he's a good player. Bozak's plus-minus is terrible, but he's good on the power play. Getting rid of Fanuf, you don't have that guy who's trying to be the leader. These kids, somebody can just take the, you know, take the lead. Is it going to be Austin Matthews? I don't know. Uh, I was a little worried, Austin, the amount of time it took him to sign his contract. I thought it was a no-brainer, just... Max contract, sign it. It should have been done right away. And I wonder, is it Lou Lamorello or is it Austin Matthews that are like playing games or or whatever? Or he just is it true, like he said, and they just didn't see the contract. He just got word of it right now. But by all, everybody seems to say that Austin's the guy. I'm a little bit, uh, to be honest, I'm a little, I, I'm skeptical. I don't know. I hear he's going to be the third line center if that's what your billing is and you're coming in. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what to say. It's they got. I mean, Kadri's a guy that's had some hype. So playing ahead of him, the assumption right now is Tyler Bozak, Nazem Kadri. Kadri's yeah. had had a lot of hype. I don't know if he's delivered on the hype. And I think is you know seven years in now. Yeah, he's been a while. He, he's been around a while. I don't know if he improves much to a level where you see him like he might be a he is what he is kind of guy at this point. Like he's yeah a, a fifty point guy who's got ability put on the the puck on the net you know i i don't know if he's a ton better than he he did last year it's so good peripheral numbers depending on how your pools run 260 shots which is great 73 penalty minutes but he was a minus 15 and 45 points you know is the 45 points because they didn't have anybody else that could score or is it 45 points because he's a 45 50 point player the next thing is mitch marner how is mitch marner is he going to make the team is he as good as he's shown in junior i don't know he's small but like he seems to have an awful lot of skill if they can put 
if Nylander and Marner and Austin Matthews going forward, uh, like I, I say that could be like a top line in, in the league if they all just blossom into what, what they are. If they're the second line this year, if they can play together, that puts Van Riemsdyk and Kadri and them up in the first line. Uh, maybe it takes away. You're not playing against best defensemen, the best of everybody. They could have a good year. I, I'd like to see Marner just play. I, I, I don't think he's got anything else to prove in junior. I don't think he can play in the AHL. I, I say he should just play in the NHL. I got to think you, they at least give him the nine games. Oh yeah, I think they have to. Uh, if they don't, then like it's like they're trying to cushion them for some reason. Like at some point, guys just they like if you're going to be a young team, just play and just get the chemistry and play some hockey and play against men instead of the good thing about Austin is he played against men. He went and played in in Switzerland. Sure, it wasn't the greatest league, I don't think, but what would he have done in junior? He probably would have been one of the top scorers, and he's 215 pounds, I think. Like, he's a big kid. Like, he would have just pushed around the league. So, for him to play against men, I think it makes him a little more ready. I, I do have to say it was cool that he did the Switzerland thing. It's pretty rare, and it, it's happened a little bit more so in the NBA where you've had guys go play overseas that maybe couldn't get into a university for grades. But it's pretty rare in hockey you see somebody do that. And I, I do think that gives him an extra element of experience and some extra edge because he's been around professional hockey. And even though it wasn't Ameri- you know, North American professional hockey, the Swiss Still. League does carry some respect in the sense that when you look at lockouts, a lot of guys end up going to Switzerland because they say they like the lifestyle, they like the league. So uh, I do agree with you. And touching on Mitch Marner, Looking at his numbers from last year, 57 games, 116 points, and in the playoffs, 44 points in 18 games. year before that, 126 points in 63 games. So he's been a beast, and he's awards from a lot. Like, you name the award, he's essentially won that award. Is is Wayne Gretzky Award last year, Robertson Cup champion, Red Tillerson Trophy, Memorial, Memorial Cup MVP, All Star, yeah. Memorial Cup champion, CHL Player of the Year. You know that skill does stand out, and I, I I think Toronto's in a nice position to be able to say we can throw Matthews, Marner, Nylander. You put those guys out there, and I I think you do let them play. So if you were to bet, you know you're in Vegas, you're betting Rookie of the Year. Marner makes the Leafs. Matthews makes the Leafs. Who who who's your money going on between those guys, or is it? So, someone else you got a, another player out there that you're taking at this point honestly if marner makes the team i'm gonna go with him i think that he can slide in and play the wing on a team or on on with the top line play with the the veteran players matthews is gonna have to take his line and carry it himself because the least they have a lot of guys they don't have depth third line if he's gonna play on the third line it's just I, I don't think he's going to put up the numbers that Marner can. I think Marner is straight up scoring. He can score. He can assist. He, he, that's that's his game. I, I think that uh, Austin Matthews is a little more all-around game. And I think in this league, it's points. Whoever puts up the most points is probably going to be the rookie of the year. And I, I think Marner can put up a few more. So if you're you're in a fantasy league, you got a first pick for a rookie, you're, you're sig- Taking Marner over Matthews? As a, like right now, last year, no. I bet I, I bet Marner in the rotisserie leagues wasn't even drafted. Is, is from what I remember, I, I think he was left out. 
So like the hype's on on Matthews, I guess it, with the two leagues, it, with the one, say the hardcore league, for me, I'm in a bit of it. I'm drafting based on what do I need? Do I need mm-hmm. Austin Matthews at center or do I need Pooley RV or Lane at wing? I'm taking one of those three. I'm a huge Leafs fan. I want Matthews, but center is the, always the easiest position to fill. It, it's tough to fill uh, right wings and left wings at times. So to get them for two bucks, how do you not take Pooley Arvey's plan if he gets to play with Connor? It's a tough choice. It really is. My heart says take Matthews, but my mind says Pooley Arvey will sure look good alongside Nylander and Mantha on a team that's building. Like uh, I'm trying to money. I'm trying to get my team better. I don't think I'm going to be the best team in the league. I'm still kind of building. So, you know, do you build with a right wing or do you build with, with the centerman? And like I said, I think I can get a center any day, anywhere. And so, you know, a good tip for listeners on that one, looking at position scarcity. So if you're in a league that does play positions in our League of Champions, we do. And I would agree with Steve on this, that center is a position be it on the waiver wire, be it through your auction or your draft, there's consistently frontline centers that seem to show up. Every year there's a new up-and-coming center. you got the veteran that puts up the big year that maybe came back after some down years. It's a position that a lot of guys qualify for as well. So in our leagues, guys can you know change multiple positions. A lot of players can play center in the wing. So it's a lot easier to fill that slot. I look at the the depth charts. I think right wing is probably the hardest position to fill right now, and it seems Great. to switch between right and left year to year, but it's just not a, a deep position. So if you are playing position scarcity, it is something to consider that, you know, to me defense is the hardest position to fill. After that, I'd say right wing at this point, and then center being the easiest position to fill. So something to keep in mind for your draft or your off. Another guy on your squad there, Steve, mentioned the Oilers. Recently traded there, Adam Larson. Expectations for him? Is it a breakout time? You think he's just going to be a solid defensive player for them? Thoughts on the Oilers as a whole? Do you think they take a step up similar to what you know we expect the Leafs to do this year? I think they're going to give Larson every opportunity to be the best of the top defenseman on the team. I, I don't think you just give Taylor Hall away for a guy you don't think can be that guy. I compare Larson at, like at right today to a guy like Hedman. Hedman came into the league. He had all the hype. He was supposed to be that great, great offensive defenseman. He took a lot of time. I don't know how many years he's been in the league now, but he it took him time to get to the 30 points and then the 35 and then the 40 points. I think Larson groomed his game in, in Jersey. I think the offense in Edmonton is way better if he gets on the power play. I think he can get 30 points. Like I, I wouldn't say he's going to be a 40-point defenseman right now. No, I can't. I don't think he's ever been been that kind of guy. Uh, I think he can probably put up 70 penalty minutes. But again, with Nurse there, I think Nurse is that guy. He's they're trying to get him to be that. Yeah. If Larson gets the top minutes on the power play, uh, I I say he's a 30-point guy. I don't see why not. And I I agree with you. They're going to feed him as much ice time as he can handle, just based on the fact that they traded Taylor Hall for him. So. They but he was a high to... draft pick. Like he yeah, was picked and... like third or fourth overall. I thought like yeah. in, in his draft year, uh, it wasn't like they thought he was going to be good. And sometimes D just take time. Like it, 
You know, they just don't quite figure it out. It, and plus, I think in the, it, with the Devils, they're trying to eliminate the other teams from scoring. So it's they kind of got the reins on him a little bit. You're not like you know he wasn't breaking out of the zone a lot. He was, he was playing defense, and that's what they wanted him to do. And I think if you don't do what the coach says, you probably don't play. And I, I think even last year we probably saw him sit in the press box a few times, maybe or the year before. You know, not doing. Not doing the things that, you know, just to, an NHLer does, I guess. But I think Edmonton plays a faster style. They're they're going to be up and down the ice. I think he can move the puck. I think we might be surprised, actually. Everybody called this deal out. And, I you know, I know it's Taylor Hall. And was Taylor Hall cancer in the room? Who knows? Like, I, I don't know any of that stuff. I, I just think that you're not just going to give Taylor Hall away for something that you don't think is going to fix your team like why it, it just would make it makes no sense to me that they would do that so I, I i think he's better than we all think we just don't see him he's in devils who watches the new jersey devils here in alberta probably not many people so i don't think there's any anybody around the league that really liked watching the devils last year they just they play that that devil style of hockey but in a comparison I've viewed Hedman as his best comparison. And yeah. Hedman was a guy that people called a bust. You know, yeah. Two, three years ago, he was a guy that people were saying, well, we don't know if he'll ever really break out. He was high draft pick. He's a big Swedish kid, but maybe he's just going to be a defensive player. Larson fits that mold. I think he needs to shoot. You know, I look at his, his numbers and his shots, his career high was 91. You got to get the puck on the net a little bit more. In Edmonton, and I, I've said this over the last couple of podcasts, I think Connor McDavid's leading the league in scoring. I, you know, if I'm in Vegas, I'm putting my money on that. I believe he's going to finish with 90 points this year if he stays healthy. And I, I do think they're going to feed him that ice time. He's as much as Darnell Nurse is the guy they want to be. Larson does have some years under his belt. Played 22 minutes a game last year in Jersey. I don't see any reason he's playing anything less than 27 or 28 with Edmonton. That uh, alone, just playing with the Oilers and the fact that they're going to have a ton of scoring up front, maybe see a jump from Dreisaitl, maybe see uh, a return to form from Jordan Everly. They're going to they're gonna score some goals, and just being on the ice with them, that might take him to 30, 35 points next year. Uh, and I would say he's a dark horse to see the high 30s, maybe 40 would be a ceiling. But I think he can get there, and if it's not this year, I feel like next year he's got that potential to see the 40, maybe mid-40 range. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think he's he has that. As for nurses, you know I had him on my team, and I'll, to be honest with you, I couldn't get him off my team fast enough. He was the one guy I had no interest in. I, I did the deal with you last year to get nurse from you. I don't know. I, I I listen to the Dom all the time, being Marty, obviously, and and he he loves Nurse. He he has him in that other pool. He won't give him away for nothing. And I just I think he's just a shut down Pim guy. I, I don't think he's a points guy. When I gave him away and I got uh, I got Schwartz in return. I, well, I, it was a package for Schwartz. I was no doubt I would do that that deal every day of the week. I would do it again. I would kiss Nurse goodbye. Even D are hard to find in this pool. I, I don't care. Well, I like Schwartz as an acquisition. Like Looking over your rosters, and as someone who I think is going to be vastly underrated coming into this year, just because he had some injuries last year. So last season, 33 games, 22 points, 63 shots. So you know, a couple shots a game. Two years ago, 
which he was a, a healthy for most of the season, 75 games. He had 28 goals, 63 points, plus 13, 184 shots. And as a young player, still only 24 years old, I think he's got 70-point upside this year. They've got some talent, you know, playing first power play uh, assumption with Tarasenko, who is a consistent goal scorer. I like the acquisition of Schwartz, and I think he's a guy that if I'm picking a sleeper, you know, obviously to jump from 20 points to 70 is a, a big jump, but if he stays healthy, I don't see a reason why he couldn't finish mid-60s to 70 points and put up a couple hundred shots with some solid power play numbers. Aside of the penalty minutes, I don't think there's anything not to like about his game. No, uh, and at the price, he'll be 11 bucks in the $300 cap. I can't, you know, I actually, I own him in all three pools. I got him for 25 bucks in the other two and the 1,000 cap pools next year. So uh, I'm a big fan. I you're traded all in on Schwartz then if you own him I, in every league? Yeah, well, it just the, I drafted him in the one. I traded for him here, and I, I last year I traded Ovechkin in a package and got him, got Schwartz in, in it when he was hurt. If he's playing with Tarasenko, how can you go wrong? Like, you know, the guy's the guy can score forty goals. Schwartz might give you twenty five goals, but the other guy's scoring forty. He should he can get thirty assists on those goals if you're playing alongside that guy. Like, I, I don't think sixty points is a stretch at all. I, I see him as a sixty in the sixties for points. Like I said, you can't go wrong for eleven dollars. To me, it's a bargain. That guy, the guy I traded to, he was he was rebuilding, and I just I gave him an offer he couldn't refuse. I had too many assets. When you got too many assets, and like let's be honest, my team last year was terrible. I inherited like the worst team I ever seen, and I just took it because I wanted to be in the league. And I turned all that terrible team into all sorts of kids and and picks. And stunk it out. I went two and twenty last year. Like there's no doubt, I had the the worst team, and so I, I I just had the assets that I could trade to get these guys. And like I said, I did what I had to do. So if if you're you know in that league going two and twenty, that's a strategy you would suggest to somebody, you know, take your lumps the first year and then be able to move up in in year two. Because I think this league and it's tough to make predictions but i would be shocked if you didn't at least go 500 if not above with the young players this year and what you got coming in so for someone going into a league inheriting a poor roster and you've mentioned just getting some assets signing guys in the auction trading them away for young pieces uh suggestion for somebody in a similar situation is that you're all in move on the first year going into a league like this yeah, first first year, uh, depending on what you inherit. Like sometimes if you're going to inherit a team and it's got players, then obviously roll with it and go. But if you're – I think I had – I had the first overall pick. It was Eichel and I had McKinnon, and I had absolutely nothing else. The rest of the team was terrible. So I drafted what I did. I actually didn't think I would be a 2-20 team. I thought my team was better. I, I lost by a point or two points here and there. But what I would do is – for me, I, I would I would sell, and I wouldn't be afraid to just don't fall in love with your players. Just sell your players and get what you want. Like I just gave, for example, I I just did a deal. I only had four roster spots left for this team, and I have two hundred dollars in cap space. But I had all these kids. I had Derek Pouliot from Pittsburgh was two dollars. I had Tuvo Terabainen for two dollars. And I had four first-round picks and a second. So I gave those two players 
uh, the 16th and 17th pick for the fourth pick overall, where I can go take a sure thing, Kachuk. And he might not play this year. Uh, I'm happy to have the left wing sitting on my sideline all next year. Those two guys I could do without. They're not winning me the pool. They needed to be replaced. Uh, center ice again for Teravine, and I'm going to put Crosby or somebody in that slot instead. If you want to win, don't be afraid. It was a four for one, and I've su- I've suddenly got like four for one offers to me constantly because everybody thinks that like I think they think I don't know what I'm doing, but I gave away pieces I thought I didn't need, and I get to pick a guy who I know is going to be a player in the league and not just a potential guy. Like Kachuk's going to play. It's there's no doubt in my mind, and at fourth overall. I, I, if I want him, I take him. He's, he's mine. Just don't be afraid to, to give guys away. Like, just kiss them goodbye. It's really when you have, if you have the kids to do it. Even I traded all Drew Doughty, Petrangelo, Henrik Lundqvist. They were all on my team, and I just did what I had to do. Traded them away for picks and just said, whatever, I'm going to build. And that's it. And I, I like Here I the, am. Yeah, I like the strategy of taking that one year of pain to get the the many years of gains because the worst position I've always felt in the fantasy pool is to finish in the middle of the pack. Oh. To me, I either want to finish at the top or the bottom. You know, if I'm in a, a 16 team league and I finish eight, I've had a terrible year because I was not a contender, but I wasn't bad enough to be getting into that rebuild mode and really getting an asset. And, yeah. you know, and looking at your trades, I I've always felt that I would rather be, if it's a four for one trade, I would rather be the guy giving up the four to get the one. Mm-hmm. Because in in my belief, teams that win these pools always have a star. You yeah. you rarely see a team win a pool and say, oh, they had a bunch of above average players. They're led by a star who generally you have at a, a value position. So you've paid them a lot less than they're worth on the salary cap or you've got a steal in a, a draft league, you know, looking at your strategy, I think that that's, that's the way to go. And for anybody listening that is saying, you know, I'm a middle of the pack team or I'm a team taking over in a league that doesn't have the ability to contend, I would take that same strategy. I would look and say, I'm going to take a year of my lumps. I'm going to finish at the bottom because two years from now, I'm going to have a shot to make a run. And in these keeper leagues, that might give you four or five years you know, worth of runs at a championship. And at the end of the day, there's only so many times you can make a run at a championship in these pools. It's They're hard to win. It's hard to win any year because you're going against 10, 12, 16 other guys in your league that are all trying to win that championship. And, you know, I've seen people in pools for 25 years that haven't won championships, and it's not for a lack of trying. It's because it's hard to do. Winning is hard. There's, there's no doubt about it. Every, everybody's trying their best. Like, I, I didn't want to give away all the kids. I didn't want to give away all the picks. It's obvious. I, I'd be happy to have them. But there's only so many roster spots. And if you got guys like Teravinen and Pouliot or your reserves, you're just not going to win. You have no depth, especially in this pool. I'm curious. I, I, the deadline's tomorrow to drop guys. I, I'm, I, I can't wait to see who Whoopi is going to throw out there. So that's a team I look at and I'm like, now that team is deep. How that team is not winning is beyond me. How he didn't win is beyond me. I, I think he's he's got a great team, and I'm happy he's got to throw a bunch of his guys away. I, I tried to get his D from him, and he just just wouldn't budge. He just won't trade those D. He's D. My D stinks. That's that's my biggest problem right now. But uh, Shea Weber and PK would be all right. 
I do have two hundred dollars to spend, so I'm sure I'll be able to throw somebody in there. Yeah, and I think uh, you're going to see a strong year out of both those guys. It's it's a trade that everybody's talked a ton about. Subban should put up huge numbers. I think Shea Weber is going to come in mildly underrated this year because people think that Montreal lost that trade, but he's an elite defenseman. And as you mentioned, so you know, give some context for the listeners. Uh, Whoopi, it's a team who's deep, and he has consistently been at the top of the league, but a guy it seems like a little bit unwilling to make that two or three pieces for one piece. He prefers to go the route of having a lot of depth. Hasn't won. I mean, I, I've knocked about in the playoffs the last two years. Um, I've had some luck to do it, but I've always felt going into our trade deadline that if he was a guy that traded two or three pieces for one superstar, it would have benefited him. Something he hasn't pulled the trigger on. And now in, in our leagues, we require a, a maximum numbers of players to be protected. He's got to release talent and he's getting nothing back for it. And I think that's also a bad position to be. So if you've got talent that you have to drop in your league or you have a, a maximum number of players you can keep on your roster, you want to try and get an asset for it. And even if it's a, a draft choice or some future you know, rookie that may not play for your prospect that's still years away, better to have something than nothing. I think you're, you're always looking to maximize the return on your asset. Um, viewing it that way so you did mention a, a name as somebody you're looking to draft Matthew Kachuk uh, what makes you you like him you know in terms of numbers last year obviously that's one big step 107 points in 57 games his dad Keith Kachuk was the highest paid guy in our roto leagues for many years due to his penalty minutes and power play points so do you think he's a version of his dad you feel he's got some potential to play for the flames this year or is it somebody you're banking on as a a longer term keeper i i think that the the potential is there i don't i i think that they have a spot for him he just has to go take it whether he can or not i i think he's just a power forward he's what the flames need he can play if he could play with johnny and and monahan which maybe he won't do that but he would be a great fit in there just to go and grind it out he's got good hands he can score sees the ice well and the bloodlines is dad just tough you just you don't really teach that stuff kachuk was you're right the pims he was one of the toughest guys around i just i think that i think matthew kachuk has the potential to be that as well i like him because just his upside to me is i i think if he doesn't make the team this year he's gonna make the team next year and to be honest when it comes down to it if i'm close his tradeability will be it'll be pretty high. We are in Calgary. Most of us live in Calgary, playing in these pools, and guys like the home the hometown team. And you got a stud like that. He's gonna be, if he can become a stud, he makes the team. I he can get 50 points playing with Johnny. If Johnny's getting 80 points, and there's no doubt that he will. If he can get on that line. I, I think you're golden. He, like I and I think the Flames by all means want it to happen. I think the Flames are a better team than the Oilers. I think getting Elliot. If, to me, there's no way this team can't make the playoff. I'm not a Flames fan. I'll follow the Flames a little bit because I'm here, but they gotta have one of the best defense in the like in the league. Uh, there's not many teams can can say they got Geo and Brody and Dougie Hamilton. I, I just I think they're good. I think Kachuk can make them better, and I think that goalie makes them even better. I think they're just a notch ahead of the Oilers. So uh, I would take him because he's gonna play on a playoff team. Seems to me that. Uh, 
ah, you're not picked fourth or fifth overall or whatever it was by the Flames for no reason. Sure, maybe it was Marner helped him get all those points, but if you're going to come to Calgary and play with Johnny, he's as good as Marner's ever going to be, I would say. Well, it's going to be fun yeah. to see the Battle of Alberta again. Cause I think so, the, yeah. The Flames, I, I really like that Brian Elliott move. I think he puts up good numbers. He's going to be a value pick in any pool next year. And yeah. the Oilers, you know, even with that Taylor Hall trade, they've got so many young guys that should get better. Connor McDavid, you know, again, he's he's a guy that I feel like makes a significant jump. It's going to be fun to see them battle it out. And I think, you know, coming off a year where we didn't have any Canadian teams in the playoffs, they're both going to contend for those spots. So, I think uh, so. I, I think they can both make it as well. I, like, I think that, and honestly, maybe Winnipeg too. Winnipeg could be right there. They like they should be a team that uh, you should count into the playoffs. No reason why they aren't, but we'll see. I, I think Funny things happen. A little, yeah, a little more goaltending dependent. I didn't like the fact that they re up uh, Hutchinson for two years as their backup. I thought I thought Connor Hellebayak would have been the guy that they would have brought in this year and just given him the chance to run. I feel like they're playing their contracts, which to some yeah. extent. You know, it, it makes sense if you're paying big money to your goalies, but talent-wise, the Jets feel like they've got a lot there. They've got a lot happening. Uh, Patrick Lane, I, I think, has got a shot to make a run at Rookie of the Year. I feel like he's got a shot to be that first overall pick in the drafts as well. I think his scoring upside is there. He might be a 25-30 goal rookie. Uh, I think Nick Ehlers is a breakout, breakout player. Um, good depth on D. Jacob Truba's still got some upside. So it's it's an interesting roster. They got a lot of pieces there. I just think Pavlik is, you know, I, I really don't like his game. I think he's a guy a lot of people still sign because he's been established for a while. Mm-hmm. I don't know how long he holds that role. And I think if they give him the entire season, they're going to struggle. But if he gets, you know, again, he, like you said, stranger things have happened. Goaltending is a, it's a weird position because guys will have that career year out of nowhere but dino four save percentage last year very league average to me he's kind of their key piece if they're going to make the playoffs or not yeah i think they just make the decision and just play heli buck and just you know if you want to win you got to go with the best player and not play the contracts like just push him put him in the minors who cares if he's making the money like the problem i think is a small market team they just don't have the money to give to him if he's not playing Obviously, they couldn't trade him, or they would have, I, w- I would assume. Like, Hallie Buck proved last year he has what it takes to play. I, I think Pavlik, Pavlik might be the guy that a team most hope they end up with Las Vegas next year. I think oh, that could be, yeah. The Jets, you know, it might be one of those things where they say, we'll give you a Pavlik and we'll give you a draft pick just to take them off of our roster, Yeah. even ahead of an expansion draft. Because, you know, still got a couple of years left. He makes good money for a goalie and you look at frederick anderson as an example he didn't get paid a heck of a lot more than pavlik is getting paid right now and i i just don't think pavlik's ever going to be above league league below league average save percentage so Uh, he had a good run the one year like couple when they did make the playoffs i thought like two years ago but again i'm sure he makes five million dollars it seems like a lot you could could have they could have probably kept Andrew Ladd. Oh no, he or he signed for seven. I, I can't remember. Yeah. So his last last five years since they've been a Jet, his goals against two ninety one, two eighty, three oh one. So the two twenty eight you mentioned from 
two seasons ago and then 278. So if I'm looking Terrible. at five, yeah, five years of numbers, he has one year that was a good year. To me, I, at this point, I think that that was that career year. Yeah. I don't I don't think he ever comes close to those numbers again. And his save percentage two years ago was 920. Every other year has been 906 or lower. Pretty not, not great, that's for sure. Yeah. They can hope all they want, but if I'm Las Vegas, I, I think I, I think they look at those numbers too. George McPhee looks at those numbers and says, "Yeah, I don't think so. He, he's not the one for us. Like when he can potentially get Bishop, or I guess you can take Flurry. Why would you take him? Right? I, I think he just rots on the Jets roster until his contract's up. That's why yeah. I say just stick him in the minors. Like if you want to win, you're not going to win with him. No, he's he's not a guy taking you anywhere and. I, I do agree. I think, you know, you're in a salary cap NHL, and at some point you just have to say, look, we're, we're going to try and win. Even if he's burning money s- sitting in the minors, I think it is Canada's richest man that owns the Jets. So a guy that has some money to spend, and I, I like their roster. I think they've got a lot of young talent. Good D. Uh, you know, their D's okay. Myers is still – he's an NHLer. He's good. I think Bufflin is probably one of the top D around. Like you said, Truba. I, I personally have no use for Truba. I, I don't know what he's going to be. I, I, I'm wondering still, is he going to play this year? Uh, is he going to hold out? I heard last he was asking Winnipeg for 7 mil. They're not giving him $7 million. So Seth Jones signed for five. I don't see Jacob Truba getting seven. And as far as I know right now, he's still a restricted free agent with no, no deal coming yet. So uh, is he going to play? disappointment too you know i looked two years ago sorry three years ago as a rookie 29 points in 65 games follows it up with 22 points in 65 games and last year gets his uh, 81 games so almost a full season only gets 21 points has some penalty minutes has some shots so 133 shots but i i would call him a disappointment i think you've had him in uh in pool last year you know obviously it sounds like you're not big on what he's got to bring forward is it a, you know what do you see as his upside? Do you think he's takes first power play time, or is that going to be Buffalo and Myers uh, locked in there? Yeah, you know, I I think so. I don't think I I don't think Troop has taken it. To be honest, I think that they'll they'll put as as old and slow as he might be. I think Anstrom's playmaking is an assist machine. Will be on the power play before Truba. I had Truba in this league. It's hard to get D, and it's deep. And I had him. He was going to be eight bucks, and I just traded him for a twenty-seven dollar Brad Marchand straight up. So that tells you what I think about him. Uh, like, I'm not interested at all. I just don't have time for him. And, and someone I, else did. So I was happy to give him away. And I look at, uh, you know, an up-and-coming guy, Josh Morrissey. Who's I think been... he makes it. I think he makes a team this year. Like, he's been waiting long enough. I think he's as good as Truba. He had the hype, like, he had all the hype. He played for the Team Canada's. He's as good. It seems to be a little bit more of an offensive-minded defenseman as well. You know, Truba, maybe he's just, maybe he just ends up being a, a physical big body, you know, ends up Shot taking blocker. Off. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where there's so much depth there and there's only so much power play time. And when I look at a player evaluating for a draft or an auction, I need to see power play time there because a guy that gets you 50 points but only has two or three on the power play that doesn't give you a ton of value. You can find those guys anytime. Oh, but especially for, if you're being rewarded for power play points, then yeah, like 
even it, like the defenseman, well, if you got a 40 point defenseman, you're going to keep him. But if you got a 30 point def- defenseman and he has no power play time, I'd be trying to move him in all the leagues. There's just no point to have him because for sure 30 points is great, but I think there's enough power play guys to go around. Like in, on my team, I, I had Colin Miller and Michael Stone and I have them ahead of him. I, I just think that their upside is just going to be higher than him. I think they have more potential to see the power play. And so, like, to me, it was an easy choice. Just cast him off. Yeah, looking at uh, Josh Morrissey, 22 points with the AHL Manitoba Moose last year, first season playing with them, 22 points in 57 games, previous couple of years. Uh, AHL in 2014, 20, or sorry, WHL in 2014, 2015, he had 38 points in 47 games. So solid numbers. Seems like a scoring defenseman. And again, the more you got to slice that ice time up, I don't yeah. think they're taking any ice time from Bufflin. He's, he's a beloved player there, put up a lot of numbers. So he's not losing ice time. Tyler Myers doesn't seem like he's losing ice time. So it's going to be between those bottom four defensemen as how they cut it up. And if you got Morrissey, Enstrom, and Truba, I think it's tough for any of those guys to put up big numbers just, just given those circumstances. So I was in the same boat with uh, that Derek Pooley out in Pittsburgh uh, when I saw Justin Schultz signed, a guy who I think is just built play on the power play. Pouliot had great numbers in in the minors or in the junior as well, and uh, he's not bumping Latang and he's not bumping Mata, and it seems to me that they kept Schultz just to play on the power play. So, like, I question is that guy even going to make the team again? And he's been waiting and waiting, and it's just you get to the point that just let him be somebody else's problem, just kiss him off. Like I like I said, I I dangled him and Teravine into about eight teams, and no one was interested till the last guy. So. Well, you got, you got your deal with them. There's a lot of rookies that come in with hype, and Pouliot's been one of those guys that's been hyped for a long time. There is the Pittsburgh halo effect that, you know, you're playing on the Penguins, they got Crosby, and they got Malkin. Everybody's going to put a ton of points there. But realistically on defensemen, I mean, they've got Latang, who's a monster. After that, though, they don't see a ton of points. You know, I, I even feel like Matt is a guy that yeah. has had hype for a long period of time. He's not broken out. Young though, I think he's like twenty. He's still twenty-one or twenty-two, Mata. But again, I I think the the only D that you need to have in Pittsburgh is Chris Letang, and of course everybody wants Letang, so you got to pay a premium. Just the way it is. What do you think of their goalies this year? In my mind, it's going to be fifty-fifty split. It's terrible. I would stay away from that team right now. If you own Matt Murray, I, I no matter what, I'd go buy Flurry. Flurry's going nowhere. Flurry's going to stay there the whole year. And I, I think they both play 40 games. And I think if in the rotisserie leagues, if you want to win a pool, win the pool, the Pittsburgh tandem is not going to win it for you. Because even if you think you're going to get 40 games, the times when you're chasing the other guy, you're going to just lose too many stars. So I would and, stay away. It so does seem like when you're trying to split goalies, and if you're playing a weekly league, so both of our leagues, you set a lineup on a, a Monday morning and it plays you through the next Sunday. It almost seems like when you're splitting goalies, Whatever goalie you put in, goalie 1A, goalie 1B is going to be the one that gets the starts. Oh, and yeah. the next week you flip it around and it, it reverses on you. It's almost uh, just the curse of the goalie tandem. So, yeah, it's a, it's a tough tough situation there to figure out because Flurry's been the guy for so long. It's a situation where I don't see a place that would take him in a trade right now, nor do I think Pittsburgh's comfortable to trade him and then have Matt Murray come out and be a, a guy who no maybe way. had a hot playoff run. 
Yeah, like like think about the playoff hockey. Everything is just tighter. The defense, the checking. It's I, I think for a goalie, sure, like the limelight's on you, but the the, the offensive chances are not quite. It's not loosey goosey type hockey. I think the further he went, obviously he got confident, but he could be. Is he going to be Cam Ward? I don't know. Cam Ward, I think he stole the job from Mark Gerber when he did it. And I, I, I think that Marc-Andre Fleury and Martin Gerber are two really different goalies. At the very least, I say, like I said, I, th- I think it's 50-50. If, if not, maybe Fleury gets a few more starts. Murray's going to play. Like, I, I don't think there's no doubt about it, even just so that Fleury doesn't, you know, he doesn't get tired. But who knows? Uh, I, I don't got- just go back at you and say that, it might be Murray that's a guy more likely to be tired. Just first year in the league, you just see guys that they can play that 50 games because maybe that's what they're used to in the, the minors or junior, but then they hit the wall. And yeah. Murray played 13 regular season games last year, 21 the playoffs. So 34 games, great numbers. But how do you do over a, a bunch of nights when you're hitting the road or – you know, going to Western Canada or you're going through the Western U.S., that kind of travel schedule might break somebody, somebody like a rookie, you know, effectively a rookie, uh, might break them down a little bit easier than it would a veteran like Flurry who knows how to pace himself over uh, an 82-game season. Like Dynasty League, I'm buying Murray, uh, no matter what. If I have him for 5 bucks, 20 bucks, I'm buying him. And if he's not playing, I don't care. I wait. Like I, I think Fleury is probably the most likely to go to Las Vegas. Whether Pittsburgh will work something out so they don't take him off their hands, that that potential is there. But I, I see him being the guy that's going there, and not this year, but next year. I, th- I think Matt Murray is the guy there. I think he's going to start, and I wouldn't give him up for it. it would cost a lot. Uh, in a two goalie system, uh, mind you, in a one goalie one goalie league, uh, I would I wouldn't even worry about Murray one little bit. He would I wouldn't even draft him. There'd be no point. And a one goalie league, I think I'd probably take the same view on Flurry. I'd, I'd take maybe a flyer on him as yeah. a reserve goalie and hoping that he wins the draw back out because Pittsburgh's going to win a lot of hockey games this year. But if the thought is that they're playing forty games each. I agree. I don't think there's a lot of value on either of them because you're going to be stuck. They might just be splitting. One guy's playing Monday, next guy's other guy's playing Wednesday, other guy's playing Saturday. You might get that split the entire way through the year, or at least for the first, you know, call it till New Year's, and then maybe they make a a more established decision in the second half of the season. But I think Pittsburgh's goaltending is it's going to disappoint some people this year. And if you're in a league that it matters for saves, minutes and wins because again they look like they're a split time tandem so like they'll win i think they'll both win games there's no doubt but like the other numbers yeah you're missing out it's just it's gonna be exactly like anaheim was back and forth like those guys last year they were i in the in the stats pool that uh I have them both, and I held out on both of them. I kept them both, and I kept them both. And they were last year at the end of the year, they were playing two games, two games, two games, two games, two games, two games. Of course, it's a big win for me because I got them both for $25 going into next year. So my goalies are set. But if you want to win the pools, maybe you don't need the best goalies, but you sure need one great one. And you need to have really good goalie stats if it's a two-goalie system. Uh, if your goalie stats are no good, you're not going to win. It's just as simple as that. And even in a one-goalie league, the difference between the best goalie and 
call it, you know, the 12th or the 16th best goalie, depending on how big your league is. It's fairly significant. Uh, You know, that said, I always feel like you need to have one dominant top of the league goalie, or you can roll the dice on some other ones. And, you know, for yourself that took the tandem in Anaheim, um, doing a little bit of forecasting for the future, knowing Freddie Anderson was going to be a restricted free agent opportunity was coming. looks like a big win for you. So, yeah, huge, like huge. Uh, John John Gibson this year, what what do you think he's going to put up? I think John Gibson starts 60 games anyway. Uh, he's going to win in the 30s. I, I think Anaheim's still a great team. I, I don't care if Corey Perry and Getzlaff are old. Uh, I think that they're he's going to win 35 games. I don't think that they're going to start Bernier unless they have to. Like, it's Jonathan Bernier is the backup there now. So, like, he could start 65 games. I, I say back-to-back nights. Bernier probably gets the, gets the nod. But I think he's going to be a 220 GAA and... 65 games, probably 35 wins. Well, look Maybe. at him. Last year, 40 games, 21 wins, 207 goals against, which I believe is top three in the league. And a 920, yeah, 920 save percentage. Likely going to lose some peripheral stats that goals against playing more games. But if I'm putting a bet on a goalie that moves to the superstar level, John Gibson is right up there in my top one or two choices this year just yeah. based on those numbers. He's still only 23, too, so it's not like he's got uh, a ton of years and he is what he is at this point. The Huge buy. Thing. You buy, 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 no matter what. If he's available, I'd, I I would take him. Like I don't want to pay 200 bucks for him right now, but I, I, I'd be happy to start him every week. He'll be my starter, no doubt about it. I tried to get him in Candelos, but uh guy wasn't going to budge that, that had him. I, I like his numbers. I think he's got he's just had a lot of hype for a few years. It does take some time for goalies. That said, the guy leaving Anaheim, Frederick Anderson, who you and I actually made a swap in uh, in the offseason in our league where we played two goalies, uh, John Klingberg for Frederick Anderson, both of them at very low cap hit. Uh, I think Anderson's in a good position in Toronto as well. Yeah, given I that agree. the Leafs have added some talent. And I, I feel like Anderson is as talented as Gibson. People seem to believe, I think, in the Internet sites and from what you see on TV, there's a feeling Gibson was the better of the two. I would say they're near a level of equal talent. And I, I think, think so. I don't know if I, Anderson, obviously, is not going to win as many games in Toronto this year. But, but he's going to start. Two years from now, yeah. He's going to put up numbers He's still a young guy too. Like I, he's 26. If he doesn't get 65 games, I'll be I'll be really surprised. To me, there's no way he doesn't start that many games. He could start a few more. I, like I think it all just depends where they're at as a team. Uh, Toronto. So last three years for Freddie Anderson: 229 goals against, 238 goals against, 230 goals against, and the save percentages: 923, 914, 919. Those are great peripheral numbers. I, yeah. And I think Babcock is a strong enough coach that he's going to play to his strengths in Toronto. I feel like Anderson puts up a underappreciated year. I think the view on Toronto is that they suck. They got some young guys, but they're probably not going to make a jump. I feel like they are going to make a bit of a jump, not to a playoff level, but the improvement in the pipes with adding Freddie Anderson, all the young guys coming up, 
I'm willing to take a gamble on Anderson. I think he's undervalued in auctions and drafts this year. If you're in a league that just plays a one-year league, to me, he's a guy that has upside, and you're probably not paying as much as you should be just based on guys looking at the Leafs as the team that finished last overall this year. They're a much-improved team. They're nowhere near last overall this year. I buy into Babcock. I think he's an elite coach. I think he's a great Great guy for Toronto to bring in. I like what Lamarillo's done in the past. He's won lots of years. You know, Leafs are headed in the right direction. A good pickup for Leafs Nation, especially uh, for the 30th pick in the draft. I think that's a steal for him. Uh, yeah, I thought it was nothing. I thought I heard some analysts saying that they that it was a terrible deal, and they're buying this goalie that hasn't is really hasn't proved, hasn't done nothing. And I think it was the 30th pick. I think they were going to take a goalie. They were talking about taking some Swedish goaltender anyways, who maybe the Flames took in the second round. I, I'm not 100% on that, but somebody took him in the second round. So I'm like, if I could have Freddie Anderson for that same pick, that I'm going to pick some kids going to sit in the system for the next four years. I, I, I just think it's a no-brainer. You know, like, you'll be, they'll be confident playing, and he's a big guy. Uh, he's played. He's going to play in the World Championships. We'll see how he does there. He's to me his track record. He he's proven enough. Another guy I say buy. I, I'd buy him. I, I've got I, no problem starting him. Reasonable reasonable cap hit for Toronto for you know I think it was five years, five million dollars a year that he signed for. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think that's going great for a guy. Uh, if you think that he's your number one and he's a number one and he maintains those numbers, to me, uh, if Pavlich is getting that, then there's no reason why he shouldn't get that. Like, what's Gibson going to get after his deal's up? He's going to get five. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, and it, it seems like if you're a starting goalie in the NHL, four million is that that level that at least those contracts start at, and then from there you're moving to the five, six. You know, be, beyond six, I think you really have to be an elite goaltender. But yeah. uh, it, was a, it was a great move for the Leafs. I'm, you know, and I'm not a, a Leafs fan by any stretch of the imagination, but I think that that's a huge improvement for him. It gives him that solid number one. There was a lot of years where it was bouncing Bermier and Reimer and always that controversy over who was going to be the guy. There's no controversy for years with Frederick Anderson. That's the guy. They just need a backup that can play, call it 25 games, give him a, a night off on a back-to-back, and yeah, it's a, it's a good step forward for him. So. I wasn't feeling this way quite as much with our deal when I gave like I gave you Klingberg for Frederick Anderson. Of course, Frederick Anderson wasn't traded at the time. It was a tough deal to do, to think about. I thought Klingberg was a tough guy to give away. But then I thought, well, I did give away last year. I gave Eichel for $165 or $180 Marc-Andre Fleury. So I guess for a $30 goalie, you can't, you got to do it. And Five. this is in our league where we play two goalies, $1,000 cap hit. Goaltenders in our auction, top guys are going for $250. And this is a league where you're playing 24 guys on your roster, eight of those being reserved, but playing one guy 20 to 25% of your total cap room on a 24-man roster. It's tough to have a deep team at that point. You need to either draft really well or get some steals on the waiver wire. So Frederick Anderson at... 3% of the salary cap is a huge win for you. I've got Klingberg now at 2.5% of the salary cap. And a guy that I've, you know, based on last year's numbers, 58 points in 76 games, 171 shots, I think has potential to slide into that 
uh, slot right behind Eric Carlson, second league in defenseman scoring. But I think he's a, a top 10 player for defenseman points this year, no matter what. You know, and I, I think it's a trade that'll benefit both of us overall because, as you said, it's a, a tough league to get goalies. 28 goalies are played every single week, so it's rare to have a NHL starter as a reserve player in that league, so a ton of value to him. Um, and defensemen, you know, if you can get a, a top-scoring defenseman for a low salary, also a lot of value. So I was happy getting Klingberg. That said, I'm now going into our auction and being in a position where I'm going to have to pay 20 to 25% of my cap room to land a starting goaltender. So that's um, right. See, I would have been at 40. I would have had to buy two goalies and you're right. It, it, it makes it a lot tougher if you don't have the young kids. My job was in the rebuild last year. So I did get Klingberg. I just picked him up for nine bucks on the waivers just before he got really hot. Again, it's a deal I'll do. I do again and again. I, I don't think there's a choice. I, I think, you need at least one cheap goalie. And then if you go out and buy the $200 Lundqvist or somebody, you're not really too worried about it because you're still under 25% for your, for your, for your two goalie tandems. And it was, a, I think it was a bit of a filling the needs kind of trade. So I needed a, a young defenseman. I, I look at my roster. I do have a good core of young defensemen in that pool, but I feel like you're always trying to plug your next hole that's coming up and, I had Victor Hedman that I moved in the offseason. I've got Tyson Berry, who looks like somebody who's got a year left on my squad just for the salary cap room this year. And Klingberg now steps in as my next number one defenseman. And, you know, for yourself, you needed a goalie. So sometimes that's that's the best kind of move is a, a filling the, the hole type, type trade. So one other deal to discuss, um, ironically, our first two podcast guests, Kevin Martin, my brother talked about his team on our episode number one, Tuka Rask as his goalie. Guest number two, Marty, the, the dirty old man, talked about it last week, that he's got the potential to trade the first overall pick, so that Austin Matthews pick for Tuka Rask, who in this two-team, two-goalie playing in a 14-team league, a guy that has a ton of value, that trade went down last night. Your thoughts on that? Do we have a clear winner-loser, or is it a, a trade where it's just each team was filling uh, filling a need? Well, uh, to be honest, uh, no slight against Kevin. He's he's a great fantasy GM. He's He's been in the money uh, an awful lot. He's either winning or in second place, but I, I'm saying he loses. I, I, I think it's a bad deal for Kevin. I, I don't think it's a deal he had to make. It helps Marty. If Marty's team is as terrible as it was last year, he is going to get whatever he wants from some team for two Rask next year. I, th I think at $69, he has more value than Austin Matthews. It's still a what-if type guy. I'm sure Rask played 65 games. Kevin had the Tampa goalies and Tuka Rask going in there for nothing, and he could have bought anybody he wanted. Uh, now he has to buy a $200 goalie. He just put himself in the game with the rest of us for the big goalie frenzy when he really didn't have to. Like I said, I, I, I give you Klingberg for a $30 goalie in, in in a second. I think that it's a relative deal to what they did. Last year, I gave away Jack Eichel for almost a $200 flurry with keeping, in my mind, there was only going to be four goalies in the auction, and I needed a goalie. So I, I think it's, I just think it's a bad move. It's a move he didn't have to do. There was I, just no point. Yeah, I would say I was surprised, and I, I was trying to figure where he was coming from because I, I look at 
Kevin's roster. And as you said, this is a team that in the last four years has won twice and has finished second twice. And this is in a pool with a strong set of general managers, 14-team league. We're nearing our 20th year of operation and as a keeper league for most of that time. So you've got guys that have been around for a long time. They understand how to run a strong fantasy team. But he's now going in with Ben Bishop and Andre Vasilevsky. I believe his view is that Ben Bishop's getting moved, but again, same as Pittsburgh, is he going to get moved during the season or does he get moved in the off season? And I, I feel like Tampa Bay is riding out the team that they've got right now. They brought back Stamkos. They've got a ton of depth. I think they just make a cup run at this point with who they've got. Yeah. And, uh, you know, sometimes I think guys, they just make a trade because they're bored of the player they've had. And yeah. emotions play into these fantasy leagues. Kev's had Tuka Rask for essentially he drafted him five or six years ago in in this pool and has had him the entire time. I wonder if he was just you know making a trade more based on emotion rather than based on numbers. That said, Rask had a down year last year. It's possibility Kev is just out on out on Tuka Rask and thinks Boston's on the downturn. Uh, but to me, he's a guy that's still a number one goaltender in any league and really could be back to that elite goaltender level. Uh, looking at last year's numbers, so in a year that everybody's saying he had a down year, he won 31 games, had a 256 goals against, and a 19, or 915 save percentage. Those are pretty sharp numbers for a guy that you're saying had a down year. And his previous years before that, I mean, 2009 on, 197 goals against. Uh, he's had a season of a 205 goals against, a two flat 2.00 goals against a 204 goals against that's as consistently elite goaltender still only 29 well he starts on every team no matter what right like yeah so like mid-season like i said if the dom's team is not doing that great somebody needs a goalie somebody can come to dom now and take that goalie for 69 dollars as well as a 130 dollar guy and get rid of his $200 goalie and put a good top stud scoring forward and a good defenseman and keep Rask next year to get and give Marty a package. Now, if you want to come and get Austin Matthews, who knows what he's going to be? It's still, you don't know what these guys are going to be. How many times has the first overall just been drafted and didn't really amount to anything, especially in his first year? Maybe, like, like you said, I think Kevin probably just got bored of him, but... I say that I, I think he's still, at that price, the top five, top seven guys around. Uh, I would start him every day of the week, and I wouldn't take him out of my lineup. I'd, I'd be starting him over Anderson. I, I won't lie about it. There's no doubt. I think there's more potential for wins there. And then the league where he where you're just looking for games played, two years ago he had 70 games played. Last year he had 64 games played. That's a lot of games. There's not many goalies that exceed those numbers, so... You know, valuing out your categories in your league, if you're playing a league where saves are a factor or minutes are a factor or wins are a factor, just based on the fact he's going to play 65 to 70 games, those peripheral numbers are going to come because he's in the net every single night. Boston never brings in, you know, a veteran backup where they say, we're looking for this guy to play 30 games. Boston rides Rask every season as much as they can. He's one of the rare goalies that you'll see play back-to-backs so it's it's an interesting trade from that end uh kevin's got a lot of 
lot of belief in Austin Matthews that he's going to come in and put up those numbers. That said, I think if you look at Jack Eichel last year, that's probably a good comparison. Yeah, and even 50, then, yeah, 50 points around there. That's what I see. And one of the strategies that you talked about in that is that Marty has made a trade for an asset, so he's got Tuukka Rask looking into the next season that asset could then become more assets if he chooses to trade them. So to Karask, someone's going to come calling, and I, I think this is a strong strategy. It's underrated in keeper leagues. In our heads-up pool of the League of Champions, I've kept Nicholas Backstrom in that league, a guy that's going to be $57 on a $300 cap. And my view is that if I'm not in contention this year, the last two years I look what he's fetched in return and trade. So it's been a first-round draft choice and a package of two good prospects or two good young players. Keeping him and knowing that value going forward, it's something for you to consider in your keeper league. That player is going to have value, and you can use him to create other assets down the line. So again, always trying to maximize your return on an asset. And I agree with you on Tugarask at a you know, less than 7% of the cap hit in a league where you're playing 28 goaltenders every single week are getting played. It's a guy that has a ton of value and someone's going to pay a price to land him if Marty is not in contention. That said, that trade could put Marty back in the mix as a, a team battling for a money finish. Yeah, I don't is, he's a franchise-level goaltender. Yeah, so. big deal. But now he needs to buy a goalie too, right? Like, sure, he's got Murray and Hellybuck, but he needs to buy a goalie. Like, there's a lot of us that need to buy this $200 goalie. And actually, Kev, to me, gave away the the, the better of his goalies because I, I see Vasilevsky and Bishop as split in games too. I, I don't see one of them starting 65 games. There's almost no way. They want to give the reins to Vasilevsky, but they're scared to give Bishop away. I think they both start a lot. And I just think his true number one, he just gave him away for Austin Matthews, which, you know, like it's a preference, but ah, it would be a tough, like it'd be a tough deal to do. I tried to give, I tried to give him Eichel for one of his two goalies last year. And he said, no, his cheap goalies were too valuable. So I guess Eichel wasn't Austin Matthews. And as, as we talk about, looking at the goaltenders that are in this auction right now and, and valuing it out, you know, as you're trying to play your different leagues, one of the things that people have looked at is who is going to be available in that auction. So right now we've got Jonathan Quick, Marc-Andre Fleury, Roberto Luongo, Henrik Lundqvist, Pecorine, Craig Anderson. So you've got six goalies that you can really call uh, true number one, some guys that had lesser numbers last year, Kari Lettinen, Yaroslav Halak, maybe both split-time guys. But even looking at the call it the big six goalies, Marc Andre Fleury is going to be a, a split time guy in all likelihood this year. Roberto Luongo is injured. They've brought in James Reimer as the backup. Reimer to me is getting some playing time, and all, to me that says there's some concern over Luongo if you're bringing in Reimer at a a solid contract. And at some point Luongo is going to age. It happens every goalie. He's 37 years old this year. Um, you know, great numbers last year, 235 goals against. But I think his numbers take a hit with Reimer being there. And Henrik Lundqvist, another guy that at some point is going to age. He's 34 now, still put up great numbers last year. But again, at some point you're going to see a fade. And that goals against did jump. It went to 248 last year, which is 
the highest I think his goals against has been. Yeah, looking back all the way back to 2005, that's the worst his goals against has been. So, you know, still good numbers, 920 save percentage. He's still a strong elite goalie on what should be a good team. But I agree with you that 200 bucks in the auction over. I I, th- I think Quick, Rin, and Lundqvist are all going to be 220, $240. If you want one of those top goalies, you got to pay. And just you can have Rask for 110 again next year and get rid of Bishop and keep Vasilevsky in Tampa. At the, there's just a lot of reasons why, for me, I would – it would have took a lot to get Rask out of me. I, I don't think I would have did it straight up for that pick. I just don't think there's any way I would want something else. And this this is coming from a Leafs fan too, which I also take take that into account that you've got an emotional connection to Austin Matthews. He's the franchise, but still not a guy you're you're making that deal for. So you know if you're playing in a league where you're looking to win next year, yeah, I'm not Austin, doing that deal. Yeah, Austin Matthews has some has some value, but certainly not like the value Rask has. That said, three four years from now, Matthews is still a nice asset. So yeah, um, oh yeah. For sure, but uh, like me, I'm I, I'm not even thinking about 2017. I'm playing for right today and see how it goes. I play for this year, and if I stink, I decide at some point I'm trade. I'll trade guys, or I'm all in and going for it. I'm not going to think two years down the road because I got this whole season to live with right now, right? Like I, I'm playing to win every single year, except for last year when I took on that hardcore team because it was terrible. I thought there's no way I'm winning this pool this year. But generally, I, I go into every season with the expectation I, I'm going to be in the money. You know, I like playing in the pools, but I like playing in the pools for free even more. So I, I play to win, and I, just, I spend a lot of time reading about this stuff. I know it, I know what's going on, and for me, if I want to win this year, I don't trade Dugarask. And I, I do agree that, you know, I always come in the same philosophy. I, I would like to win this year because you never know what's going to happen. And that's, that's right. always my point of view is you may have the next great prospect or you might have a Sidney Crosby, but you think of when Crosby had the concussion neck issues, the guys who had him those years, that can blow up a fantasy roster. A, a guy like Eric Lindros is a great example, had the concussions, killed his career. If you had him in your dynasty league at that point, you thought you were going to win the next decade because you had the big E, and all of a sudden he just is a guy that's not in the league anymore because of injuries and with where things are at with concussions and just all these different things that can happen, guys not panning out. To me, I, I play for the now. The most important season is this season. So well, when I gave sorry, when I gave Eichel, Eichel away last year and took Flurry, if I had waited and bought Miller in the auction and kept Eichel, I, I finished in fourth when I was like bottom half wall all year. I finished in fourth. There's no way I make the money if I don't have Flurry. There's just no way. Yeah. Like so, so it was a deal that I needed to do to win and be in the money and compete right then. And you, you know, you moved up significantly from previous season. Oh, that was terrible. You know, it was it was a season you had a down year. You made you made the move to move up, and our, our league pays four out of fourteen teams. And you know, it was a it was a solid move, a solid jump for you. So second uh, last to fourth, so not that's, that's all right. Was it general manager of the year? Did you? Yeah, win our, that's right. That's our, right. Voted GM, in. The, GM of the year. Our uh, our GMs vote on who the best GM was, and you know, certainly a strong title for you to pull out, and probably an award that you know, without making that deal. Again, you're not jumping to fourth. You're not getting your name on a piece of hardware. Nope. You know, we've got guys that have been in the pool 
I believe we've handed out that award 10 years, and there's guys that have never seen it. You know, so when you get a chance to win a piece of hardware, win an award, you got to take it because you just don't know what next year is going to bring. So, uh, that said, Steve, we're closing in on the end of the program. So, outside of the pools, something cool right now, something you'd recommend to the listeners they need to check out, or uh, something interesting that you've got someone else can look into? Uh, Well, like I do, I, I run a lot. So I do listen to a podcast when I'm running and it's, uh, it's called the Rob, Rob Watson show. It might not be entertaining to everybody, but it, he's a Canadian marathoner. He's trying to get into the Olympics, but just him and a buddy, uh, decided to just make a, make a podcast one day. So every Sunday or every Tuesday, they just get together. Like one lives in Vancouver and one lives in Toronto and they just, they just talk, chat it up, talk shit. It's not really, it's not really all about running. Some people call in and stuff. So they're joking and stuff. One guy, the one guy's not a runner and they have him learning how to be a runner and just practicing and he hates it. And it's, yeah, there's just a lot of, it's, it's lighthearted listening, I guess. Uh, when I'm running, it seems to pass the time for me. Uh, other than that, I, I have a new son. He's three months old and that takes up a lot of my time. Uh, I'm really enjoying myself with that. Yes, nice. it's not not the most time to uh, I guess be watching TV or listening to stuff. I took the time out. My wife graciously has has Amory today or right now, so I can come and do this. But I'm sure she's upstairs wondering why I'm taking so long. I I would say so. <laughs> so we've now hit the hour and a half mark. So a new record for our longest podcast. Appreciate you coming aboard, Steve. It was a, a good episode. As for the listeners, remember check us out www.elitefantasy.com. Uh, fantasycoaching.com if you were interested in the service you want help on your fantasy league go there and if you've got any questions on the podcast and we'll have steve back on you've got any thoughts opinions hit us up on twitter at elite fantasy hk uh, we'll get steve back on we'll answer some more questions you got a question leaf nation your roster anything else we'll touch on it again and steve uh, thanks for coming aboard i appreciate your time today and look forward to talking to you again soon yeah, for sure. Thanks. Thanks for right. having me. Appreciate Take it. Take care. Thanks, yep. friends. Thanks for Get. listening. All Bye. right. Thank you for listening to the Elite Fantasy Coaching Hockey Podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and rate us on iTunes. Every five-star rating helps us get the best guests and provide great content. Find us on Twitter at Elite Fantasy HK or search Elite Fantasy Coaching on Facebook. Go to www.elitefantasycoaching.com to learn more about our subscription services and get the web's best fantasy sports coaching.